0: Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at WBEZ.org slash events. Hey there, it's Sasha. Before we get to the episode, I want to let you know this is going to be the first in a series that we are calling Bias Against Bodies. Each afternoon, we'll be sharing conversations about the stigma our culture has against fatness and what we often get wrong about what a healthy body looks like. So be sure to check out every episode by subscribing to our podcast. All right, on to the show. Once you start seeing fat phobia, you won't be able to unsee it. Like when sitcoms make plus-size characters the butt of the joke— Or in real life, when grandmas or even complete strangers offer unsolicited weight loss advice. And it can be nearly impossible to find a welcoming gym or exercise community if your focus isn't shedding pounds. So today, we're going to imagine what the world would look like if more people took what advocates call a weight-neutral approach to fitness. To help us do that, we are speaking with Myrna Valerio. She's a runner, advocate, and the author of A Beautiful Work in Progress. And Louise Green, a personal trainer and founder of the fitness brand, Big Fit Girl. She's also the author of Fitness for Everyone. Louise, set the stage for us. How do people react when they find out that you're a trainer?
1: I have kind of a range of reactions, but sometimes there's like this beat where I can see people trying to reconcile that information. Like people aren't used to my body size Mm -hmm. and the word fitness trainer belonging
0: in one sentence. Myrna, why did you start running?
2: I started running back in high school, way back in the late 90s, as a way of getting better at my sports of field hockey and lacrosse.
0: What was it like to um, join running communities as a plus-size person? In the beginning,
2: I would always get these looks like, what? What do we have here? What's going on here? What's she doing here? But as I got to know more and more people and as I became more of a frequent flyer uh, (laughs) in the running community and and at races and different events that involved running or anything fitness related, people started getting used to seeing me and not, not just me, but also people in different types of bodies, including my kind of body.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I want to dig a little further because you are a plus size black woman in a, a sport that's dominated by thin white people. So talk about yeah. how those identities inform each other.
2: I grew up in a an African-American community, um, and also my heritage is Latinx. And in those communities, being a person who was plus size was definitely more accepted uh, and more acceptable <laughs> than in... You know what we would call the mainstream community. So growing up, that was not, it was never an issue for me being a plus size person. But as I entered the fitness communities, where you never saw anyone like me represented in print media, or you know, increasingly in digital media. It became a thing. (laughs) People started uh, noticing that, hey, here's this black woman who was not skinny, who was not uh, Ethiopian or from anywhere in East Africa doing these long distance races. And it became a topic of conversation. So uh, really interesting. Yeah, it's it's interesting to be uh, a fat black woman in these spaces where. People either think we don't belong or they're so surprised to see us. They have these, like, kind of violent reactions. They look puzzled. (laughs) Yeah. They look very puzzled and are always confused.
0: (laughs) Well, Louise, last year you wrote about, quote, unquote, fatphobic encouragement in gyms. What does that look like?
1: Well, it's kind of like this anti-fatness where, you know, people will approach you. And I mean, all the examples that I wrote in that article are things that have actually happened to me personally, where people will approach you and be like, you know, just stick to it and you'll get the results you're looking for. And first of all, I've been a trainer in in the fitness space for over 20 years. How do you know what my results are that I'm looking for? And there's an assumption that I'm new to being in the gym. So just because somebody's in a larger body in a gym does not mean that they're a newbie. It does not mean that they're there to, you know, specifically lose weight. And that we just have to be really careful about how we approach and stereotype fitness and people with larger bodies.
0: Well, help us understand, Louise, when you work with plus size clients as a personal trainer, what baggage do they come in with?
1: A lot of clients come in with the feeling that they, that they don't belong, and that's because they don't belong in the current space because it's not there's not a representation of their likeness in in media, as Myrna was explaining, but also in any gym um advertising and websites and you know any collateral that is part of the marketing message rarely, very rarely will show anybody of size. Unless it's in a before picture, so we are. That's in in of itself anti-fatness. So you know, this is how we portray larger bodies in gym spaces. Is there the before picture? This is what you don't want to look like. So that barrier in of itself is very difficult to to cross the thresholds of gym, feeling like you belong when everyone in the space is promoting to not look like you.
0: Myrna, how have you seen things change? in fitness communities since you first started this work?
2: I have definitely experienced both personally and in, you know, in observing various people in the community. I've definitely seen more wide ranging representation of all iterations of human bodies uh, in the fitness space, which is awesome. And I'm talking about, uh, you know, not just racially, and size wise, but ability wise and uh just everybody being included um more and more in these spaces. Mm-hmm. Are we where we need to be? Absolutely not. But there there are definitely strides being made. You know, I, I think about the brand partnerships that I have and the the fact that I get to partner with companies that Um, formerly only made clothes for thinner people. (laughs) Uh, And now I I get to be on their rosters, not just showing that it's possible for someone who looks like me to, uh, to be part of the, the fitness world, but showing people that there are folks of all bodies, all sizes, all colors, all shapes, all abilities in normal media and advertising and, and having it not be tokenized or, you know, seen in as, as an anomaly. And so that's that's what I've been experiencing um, in the fitness world. Again, we we have so much more work to do.
0: Yeah. Have you seen that too,
1: Louise? I definitely have seen that since I started my business. I started my business in 2007, and it was very white and thin and definitely brands, I'm not sure I'd go as far as to say gym spaces if we're talking about big chains, but we're starting to see definitely more invitation and representation for people of, as Myrna said, size, age, ability, race, lots more diversity. It's starting to definitely amp up.
0: Yeah. Well, sticking with you, Louise, tell us why... You think it's important to separate health from weight?
1: I mean, I was probably the most unhealthiest I've ever been at my lightest adult weight. I mean, I was, you know, entrenched in all kinds of unhealthy behaviors. I was a smoker and a drinker and, you know toggling with addiction and because i was in a thin body people were like you look great you know and there was this big assumption that i was this healthy well-rounded person Mm -hmm. and as soon as my body became bigger the narrative changed and you know then i was like active you know five days a week eating healthier foods and you know not smoking and all of those things but we are so conditioned it's so embedded in the dna of our culture to make snap judgments about body size, that this size means unhealthy and this size means healthy. First of all, it's no one's business how healthy or unhealthy somebody is, and there's no moral obligation to be healthy. But aside from that, we we can't tell what somebody's health is by their size. And I think that the narrative that people going to the doctor and being told that they're obese and that this that it's this major doom and gloom prescription I just think that narrative has to change because people can be healthy in a range of body sizes yet our society assumes that it has to be thin.
0: Myrna where else does weight bias show up in your life and how do you respond to it?
2: Well you know mostly where it occurs is you know while I'm while I'm outside running (laughs) um where people automatically they look at me and then automatically think that I'm out there as Louise said I'm out there to, to lose weight or to um or to change my body somehow. I was out on a run a couple months ago um and a guy stopped me while I'm working out, while I'm doing my thing. He stopped me to say that 15 years ago my body looked like yours. Keep it up.
0: Oh my god. Does that not ever get to you?
2: Oh, it gets to me all the time. And, you know, and I will never say that it, you know, I just kind of brush that off. I never brush those things off because each time I hear things like that, it's traumatizing. So, but I also know, you know, this guy didn't like let me get a word in edgewise because he was, he wanted to praise me for being out there for being like good kind of fatty, you know, Uh, (laughs) who's working to change her body to fit into societal norms. Wow. Um, But, um, but, you know, Deep down, uh, this is the work that I do. Like I get paid to run, so (laughs) um, and I know that you know I could run for twenty six hours if I needed to. So um, so no, (laughs) um, it it bothers me. So it, it does bother me. But then I but the greater truth is that I'm out here. I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this because it makes me feel good. I'm doing it because it you know it really really centers me. It does so many things. It has so many benefits for me that I that I can take that that criticism, and, and I'm just, you know, compartmentalizing mm-hmm. and going on with my day. So that's that's where I see the, the weight bias. I, I mean, I also see it in my own personal um, health care, not so much now because I live in Vermont where many of the doctors are health at every size trained. So I don't have to worry about going into an appointment and having somebody immediately say, Oh, well, have you thought about working out or doing some exercise without reading my chart or without knowing anything about me? Mm -hmm. uh, That's not where the conversation goes. So, But previously, before I moved here and in other places, I would have to go into uh, a new doctor's office and be very assertive about, um, hey, I work out six times a week. Let's not talk about my weight if it has nothing to do with that, with what I came in for. So I walk in, I'm, I'm very assertive. I say, this is what I need. I'm an athlete. I would like you to fix this. How can we, how can we move on? That's, that's one of the ways in which I've learned because I am a fat woman, because I know that people are going to have assumptions about who I am, what I do, what what I can do and what I can't do. Um, that's the way that I've learned to, to combat that.
0: Louise, as we've said, this fitness world is obsessed with weight loss. Um, you know that always seems to be the goal rather than actual health. What is the goal of exercise when we remove weight from the mix?
1: Well, I mean, it could be the goal individual to each person, but what I've seen and what I've experienced a lot is you know we we don't often talk about the mental health aspect of physical movement and the the rewards of physical movement for mental health are just insane. And I think that that's when we're looking at weight just as, oh, a body size. We're not considering the whole person. And let's face it, a lot of people are struggling with mental health. So exercising is for the body to feel good, but it's also for the mind to feel good. And I know when I started to regularly exercise in an environment that wasn't always harping on me to lose weight, My body confidence increased because I started to be physical. Movement started to be more about the limitations that I could smash down and conquer and kind of push my body. It built body confidence rather than what my body looked like, which is previously what my goal had always been. It was always to look a certain way. And I just want to kind of reverse the truck here and go back to what Marna was saying about those, those experiences about weight bias. What that does to a lot of individuals, not everyone is like Marna and myself who are working in these spaces that have built up years of confidence and having to advocate for ourselves. Mm -hmm. But what those experiences do is they create like a disadvantage in health and fitness because a lot of people stop going to the doctor. They they don't go to the gym because they don't want to have those experiences. Mm. Weight bias is a really serious deal.
0: How can other trainers incorporate a, a weight neutral mindset into their work?
1: I think I mean not to chew my own horn here, but I have a I have a course in education and certifying personal trainers in size inclusivity because what it really ent- entails is having some knowledge about the lived experience of what fat people live with on a daily basis, and they can be micro and macro
0: aggressions. What does goal setting look like for you, Myrna? Keeping that in mind,
2: goal setting. Um, you know, actually to to also answer the question that you asked Louise first, well, as someone who benefits from, from coaching and from uh, weight trainers and physical therapists, et cetera, and these people ha- happen to be haze trained, help at Every Size trained. And what I get from them is I present one of my goals to them, my goal is to run this marathon. My goal is to uh, get stronger. My goal is to be able to lift 300 pounds in my deadlift mm-hmm. um, because that all helps me with running, <laughs> and that's what we work on. We're, we're not working on let's reduce your body fat percentage by mm-hmm. this this much this year. That's not what my sessions are like. And so, being able to go into a you know into 2023 with that kind of goal. Um gets me really, really excited. and they're not trying to do something like changing the way my body looks because I need to fit into what into society's idea of what an aspirational body is. yeah. so that's what that's what goal setting looks like for me. i I want to experience. Um, time and time again, what running gives me, which is uh, a really, really fierce connection just to my own body and, mm-hmm. my, and my, myself, to the, to the earth. I'm a trail runner. That's what I love to do. I love to be out in the woods. It gives me time out in the woods. It gives me time to think. Uh, and it also makes me really strong physically. That's what I want. So everything goes through that funnel.
0: Yeah, we, we've talked about how weight is not... An indicator of health. Do you think society holds plus size people to a different standard when it comes to fitness? Absolutely. Is that it? They absolutely hold
2: people like me to a different standard when we're, we're talking about what it is to be healthy. What what is that standard anyway? And who made it up? Uh, And Uh why did they make it up in the certain way that they made it up? Those those are the questions that run through my head anyway. um, And they're they're conflicting standards. You want fat people. I, I use the term fat to describe myself. You want fat people or plus size people or Rubenesque people. I like that word as well. To You want us to be working out. Okay, give us some clothes. Oh, they give us the clothes. And a company, a brand advertises those clothes. Oh, well, that person isn't a runner. That person uh, can't, couldn't possibly be working out. That person couldn't possibly do the things that they say that they do. So there are all of these conflicting messages that we get
0: hmm.
2: that are all stigmatizing. Yeah. <laughs> you should go out. You should go on a diet. You should do this. Oh, you're eating. Eating is horrible. Don't eat.
0: <laughs> Louise, um, and- anything you would add here? Well, I
1: think um, I've heard a lot of people refer to my business and my clients, well, as long as they're healthy, and we would never say that to a thin person, so it definitely is a double standard. Like, a thin person can eat Doritos and lie on the couch for the rest of their life and never be questioned about it. There's definitely a double standard about the lifestyles of fat people and that there is this moral obligation that if you're going to have a big body, that... You need to be, as Myrna said earlier, a good fatty about it. Like, you've got to be doing something that justifies having this big body, you know? And we just don't have that standard for thin people. So it's, again, just a, you know, that glaring weight bias society that we live in.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Myrna, you, you started a blog called Fat Girl Running. It sounds mm-hmm. like we've come a long way since you started your blog, but how far <laughs> do we have to go?
2: Well, I started the blog in 2011 when I was training for my first marathon, which is the Marine Corps marathon in DC, everyone should do it. <laughs> and, um, and it was just a way for me to share stories about running and, and my experiences as a, as a fat lady, <laughs> doing these long distance races where like very typically there was only one of me or two of me. Um, and then it kind of blew up in 2015 when uh, you know, my story became more public. You know, here's this, you know, plus size black woman doing trail races. Oh, she's doing ultra marathons. Wow. She's doing tough mudders and, and course races. And, and it was, and it was a thing because people were not used to seeing people like me out on the courses. And so now, like I was a teacher for 18 years. I'm no longer a teacher. I, I get to, I get to basically be an athlete full time. And nice. it is, it's a really, really incredible thing that I get to do, um, showing people what's possible in the body that you have.
0: Well, Luis, leave us with this. Uh, what advice do you have for folks who just want to find weight-neutral exercise communities or trainers?
1: I always recommend really doing your due diligence in finding um, size-inclusive, weight-neutral, health-at-every-size, definitely look at those uh, words when you're searching uh, for information on the internet. And also it's okay to contact establishments and ask them how they're inclusive. How do they back up their, um, you know, what they're promoting? Cause you know, body positivity and everyone's welcome. Those kind of broad stroke statements can be on a lot of websites, but we want to know that the, individuals that are within the establishments actually are practicing what they preach and they know what it is to be size inclusive and, mm-hmm. and work at a health and every size perspective. So really doing the due diligence because I find that when people don't do the due diligence, they tend to have additional negative fitness experiences that just prolong their athletic greatness.
0: What do we have to gain if we decenter weight? In our fitness goals, Louise?
1: I think that we have to gain a lot more people becoming regularly active because when, you know, the statistics on long term weight loss are very low. And so we actually are putting people into a system that's failing. And so it it's a very stop-start system. It's an all-or-nothing system. Mm-hmm. And it, again, prolongs athletic greatness and all the things that come out along with the mental health aspects and the health aspects and confidence, et cetera. So if you can come from a weight-neutral position, you're actually putting people into a success model where they can become more regularly active. And st- studies and statistics are showing that when people are regularly active, regardless of whether there's weight loss or not, there's endless health benefits.
0: Louise Green is the founder of Big Fit Girl, and Myrna Valerio is a runner, advocate, and the author of A Beautiful Work in Progress. Thank you both so much. Thank you, Thank so much. you. This episode of Reset was produced by Sarah Stark, and it was edited by Ethan Schwab. Catch every episode of our Bias Against Body series by subscribing to our podcast. And when you do, leave us a rating and review. That's all for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you tomorrow.